Here we go. We are back. Week six of the NFL season. This is the On Blast podcast, NFL Picks Edition. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and I'm joined, as always, by my dude, Mr. Matt Russell, betting writer at The Score. My dude, how you doing? Uh, outstanding. Um, chugging along here. Three and two last week in the Circa Millions, up to 17 and eight. So not quite in the money just yet, but we are uh, on the outside looking in and feeling a little bit dangerous, right? Like your man Baker Mayfield, who uh, is is less involved in the NFL season than we are at this point in time. Is, is Baker Mayfield's dangerous the dangerous you really want to be feeling? I, I'm just asking, just asking, just trying to make sure. On that one day in his life when he woke up feeling dangerous, that was the day you wanted to be Baker Mayfield. But literally most of the other days, uh, at least from a professional standpoint, outside of all the money that he's made, I'm sure a lot of us would trade spots with Baker Mayfield if we had the opportunity. But yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? Big, week- doing- big weekend for you. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. You know, and, and as mentioned, this is the On Blast podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts available, we do videos. Video you can find up on YouTube. Just search On Blast podcast or my name, Sheldon Alexander. You can find us on Twitch. You can find the video there as well. But of course, this is an audio medium first. So wherever you get your audio podcast, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Spotify or SoundCloud, we got you covered there. And this is what we do each and every single week. You alluded to it. The picks are are all right. And and we were discussing this before we started. And I I can't lie. I get a little nervous. I get a little nervous. Because the thing is, we're rolling here. Last week, 10, 4, and 2 in week 4. Week 5, we come back with an 11, 4, and 1 week. Bringing the season total to 47, 29, and 4. Trying to keep the good times rolling. And for the people who are brand new to the pod and what we try to do here I come on, I give on my, you know, Joe Public take. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm leaning towards. Here's the storylines I'm thinking. And then my guy, Matt, comes in with the education, the information, the numbers that we need to know. Because I want to know where the line is, where it's going, and where it is or where it came from. Pardon me. I messed up my own line. See, that's how frazzled I am just because, <laughs> like, the, the picks are just going so well. I'm rattled. I'm rattled. Can, can you can you hear that in my voice? Can you tell? It's okay. Well, you're gonna be to rattled. When you're literally on fire, right? When you're just walking around on in in flames the entire time. Yeah, I'm not gonna be able to get a sentence out if that were the case. <laughs> well, just trying to stay hot, and you know how to not be on fire. Talking about this week's <laughs> this week's Thursday night matchup. <laughs> that's a way to not start on fire. But hey, that's how the week starts each and every week. Thursday nighter. Normally, I want to say I hope the matchups were a bit better, but after last week's Thursday nighter, right when you think it might not be able to get worse than last week, bring on the Commanders and the Bears. We got to pick a matchup, and I'm going to say this, and I'm being genuinely honest here, trying to give everyone a tip here, okay? You don't need to watch this game, okay? (laughs) This is a Thursday night. Take your girl out to the movies. Take her out for dinner. Do something nice. Go, you know, maybe get caught up on House of Dragons. Big episode this week. There's a lot of different things you could do with your time than sitting down on a Thursday night through the Commanders and the Bears. And it's a pick'em game. Bears minus one. Cool. I'm going to take the Bears because they're at home. I'm not going to put a lot of thought process into this, but the Bears, they don't have Carson Wentz and they're at home. So I'm going to go with the Bears here. What say you, Mr. Matt Russell? 
Man, I'm still not really sure how the Washington Commanders didn't win that game on Sunday against the Titans. That one was infuriating. In the league in 2022. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Have you not seen Carson, Carson Wentz uh, uh, pick on the goal line? We've never seen that before. <laughs> it, it's true, but it's like any team, this league is so last team to have the ball wins, right? Like Correct, it's just, yeah. that's what this league is. And that's why guys are going for it. And that's, you know, going for two and like all of this stuff is because this league, it's like impossible to play defense. And yet Carson Wentz, somehow makes it possible for a team to not score despite being first and goal at like the two yard line. But I watched every second of that game painfully because it was a relatively important game. We had the, uh, it was involved in the round Robin underdog money line parlay, the world renowned RR MLP. Um, (laughs) But Wentz wasn't like terrible. You know, he goes and he throws for 360 yards, right? Like there wasn't that like backbreaking fumble or interception and obviously until the very last uh, play uh that being said when we come into this thursday it's like we're looking at this bears team and we talked about it last week like why did we like the bears to cover because it was going to be the best opportunity for justin fields to be able to throw now they go back to a night game chicago like it doesn't really feel like it's a great opportunity to throw except for the fact that the washington commanders secondary is pretty terrible, right? They think they're fifth last in opponent's yards per pass attempt. So Justin Fields should be able to throw again in this game. And you mentioned last week's game uh, with the Thursday night game between the Colts and the Broncos. And like uh, that being a bad matchup, like everybody was all in on that matchup before the season started. Like people yeah. act like these Thursday night games are like decided before the, before the week begins, right? Like on Monday, we just comb over the schedule and decide what's supposed to happen on a Thursday night. Like all the people complaining about the Broncos and the Colts are people who have Broncos and Colts futures tickets because they got so excited about Matt Ryan being the quarterback for the Colts. Like that was going to be such an upgrade on Carson Wentz and of course, Russell Wilson for the Broncos, right? Everybody just talks themselves into like downgrading Carson Wentz and, you know, over and over and over. Does that mean I necessarily want anything to do with Carson Wentz? On <laughs> No, of course, of course I don't. Right, but I think this is actually a more interesting, a more watchable game because last week it was two really pretty sorry offenses, disappointing mm-hmm. offenses, going against top ten defenses in the league yeah. right now. These two defenses aren't any good at all, so we're going to see some scoring here, I think. Right? Yeah. And Wentz is getting the ball down the field. Fields is doing the same thing, not to ne- nearly the degree, at least from a passing standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I, ch- you know, had to go take a look at the weather. It looks like there's going to be a system passing through before the game earlier on in the day, but it seems like it's going to be an okay night for passing conditions, et cetera, et cetera. I think like this might actually be a pretty fun game to watch, right? Okay. Of course, listen, we're going to watch these games no matter what, like you said, Oh, you know, take your girl out. That's what Friday nights are for. Right? <laughs> That's what Tuesday nights are for everybody who's sitting at home watching, uh... catching up on their bachelor in paradise on Tuesday night. You know, Friday, let's get out on the streets. But Thursday, right? Like, let's buckle down here. Let's get on Twitter and let's complain about the NFL for three hours and have the time of our lives. Now, I'm not going to talk you out of the Bears here, minus one or pick them. But I kind of, and this is always dangerous because I'm usually pretty terrible when it comes to totals. 38 is a pretty low total. Now, again, we watched a game that had a combined, what, 15 (laughs) points last week and no touchdowns, which is problematic for those of us who write a column that's, 
the premise is uh, that there's going to be an any touchdown, any any touchdown, any time touchdown score. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> yes. So hopefully we get a touchdown this time <laughs> around, and I think we're going to get a couple of them. So at a really low total of 38 between two teams that don't have very good defenses. I think this might be an over type situation as I think we can get both of these teams, you know, pretty close to 20 points. And I think we can get this thing over 38. Okay. Okay. I mean, I find it super interesting just in the context of the quarterbacks, at least when I look at, at Justin Fields, they know that they don't trust him. So at least like, you know, last week we're seeing Russ and Matt Ryan just constantly drop back over and over and over and over, just yeah. showing us how washed they are yeah. the entire time, you know? And right. I think but what that, else are they going to do, right? It's like, sure. you've got Matt Ryan, you've got Russell Wilson, you got to keep yeah. throwing. And that was their expectation coming into the season, as you mentioned, right? Same thing with the matchup. You can put that up on a graphic, right? Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, here we go. You know, there's no graphic for Carson Wentz and Justin Fields or no, like, I mean, I'm sure there is, but it's more of a meme, (laughs) right? (laughs) So what I'm saying though, is that like the offenses know, we know what the offenses are. We know where the offenses are going in this game. And at least, you know, our expectations aren't going to be, a lot higher as they are for the next game that we are about to talk about, which is the big boy matchup of the week, the bills at the chiefs. And you know me, you know where I'm going to be laying on this game already. I'm going to be on the chiefs, but here's the thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Chiefs. Here's a stat. Patrick Mahomes was favored in 38 straight games. Then he was an underdog to the, at the time, number one defense in the NFL, the Bucks. They put up 41 points. Then he orchestrated a 17-point comeback against a divisional rival. And now, guess what, Chiefs? You're back to being underdogs. Just that alone, I got to sit on the Chiefs as home dogs. And, and I know that I'm always going to have a reason to justify taking the Chiefs, as I did on Monday night, and they lost. They did not Hmm. cover that game at all. It was very apparent early. One of the things you've taught me that we watch a lot is you can tell right away sometimes if that, if like what kind of game this is going to be. And right off the bat, I was like, oh, they're not going to cover this game. But you will, you will find me doubling down on the Chiefs to come back and win down 14 nothing. But story for another day, right? Sure, sure. We're all learning. We're all learning here. What say you, Mr. Matt Russell, in this big boy matchup between the Bills and the Chiefs, two teams that people love to bet on? Yeah, what's funny, right? Because last week we talked about how that Sunday night game against Tampa Bay, it's like, how much is that cover? Is that win outright going to cost people going forward? Because that's the type of thing that's going to linger. And we asked, Mm -hmm. okay, let's see, you know, let's see how they do against the spread for the next few weeks. And of course, boom, immediately 0-1 against the spread. And so, you know, as you sort of refer to it sometimes, like blindly backing the Chiefs Mm -hmm. just because it looks impressive one day, you know, you go 1-1 in those two games, right? You end up losing a little bit of money because of uh, the juice. Mm -hmm. Problem is, from that standpoint, like, you're going up against the Bills, and we've talked about this all year, right? Like, the Bills came into the season rated really highly, Right? They've been rated really highly. They have never taken a step off of you know the number, the 80 out of 100 number that you and I talk about. So like we have a pretty good idea of, I shouldn't say the ceiling because in theory the Bills could be some historically awesome team, right? And you know not lose another game the rest of the year, et cetera, et cetera. But like 
they get such credit for hammering these bad teams, right? These teams that don't have the offensive firepower to run with them, basically, right? Mm -hmm. Like the Pittsburghs and the Tennessees, like incredibly bad matchups for those specific teams to be able to hang around with the Bills. And like, obviously the Chiefs aren't that. From a market rating standpoint, right? Like if we have the Bills at 80, I have the Chiefs as the second most high ra highly rated team. I have them at a 73. Mm -hmm. But what that ends up kind of calculating out to here is pick them, right? Because obviously <laughs> the home field advantage of the Chiefs, and you can debate like how much that actually means. Like, do they truly have that much of a home field advantage? Like, listen, they were just in a dogfight at home against Las Vegas. They obviously lost to Cincinnati last year. So you can easily just start talking me into them having less and less home field advantage. But like, we're not getting down under three, you know, from a home field advantage standpoint, which is what would have to happen for you to get to a three point road favorite here in Buffalo. And I'm surprised this hasn't come off of three in any meaningful way at the score bet right now, you can get plus three for minus 115. And like, that's a no brainer bet. doesn't mean it's going to win every single time. Obviously that's not the case. And you have, you know, all of the sort of narrative angles about revenge and this, that, and whatever. But like that game last year was what chiefs minus two, something along those lines. And now all of a sudden a year later with honestly, not that much having changed between these teams. Now the bills are favored by three, because again, we have them on this pedestal. Where even, you know, again, I'm looking at the market ratings and like it's bills and a pretty sizable gap between the Chiefs and then a pretty sizable gap between somebody else. So is it really true that the bills are that much better than not just the Chiefs, but the third best team in the league? I mean, we just saw them basically go toe to toe with the Ravens a couple of weeks ago, right? And I got the Ravens in probably the, you know, somewhere in between six to eight to nine type of a range. So like, yeah, this number is inflated, and so you have to take the Chiefs plus three. And it doesn't sort of count as the Chiefs tax that we talk about, where they're always kind of a half point more than they should be, right? Like, even though they didn't cover any sort of number last week, like, they probably should have been about six and a half to, or even, you know, seven with, with some juice, juice to the uh, Raiders last week. But instead, like, they were available at plus seven and a half, right? That extra half point might have been the difference if that game goes a little bit differently down the stretch. So yeah, this doesn't really count in the like Chiefs being overvalued or sort mm -hmm. of getting that, you know, uh, you know, extra half point because it's up against the Bills. This is kind of the one team that you're not going to uh you know get a discount here fading the Chiefs. In this in this case, you roll with the Chiefs getting those three points and then just sort of take your chances. See, this is why I love this pod, because I'm always blindly on the Chiefs, but this time for the viewer, you can listen to an actual reason to be on the Chiefs. That's what I love about this pod. That's what I like. You know, we come at it from different angles, trying to help the people here, and I enjoy that, and I love that. Um, I don't know how much I love this next matchup, but I'm completely intrigued by it, totally. So we have the New England Patriots at the Cleveland Browns. Browns are three-point favorites, and me seeing Jacoby Brissett throw late fourth-quarter picks in, what, three straight games, that makes it very difficult for me to want to lay three points with Mr. Jacoby Brissett. That's just a tough place for me to be. Also, I would like to give you credit, my friend, because over the last few weeks, you have reminded me the ways of one of my favorite people in the NFL, 
the hoodie himself, Mr. Bill Belichick, and to trust and have more faith in what Mr. Belichick does year in and year out. And last week was one of the games I pulled out the card to switch the pick to be on the Patriots against the Detroit Lions. And boy, were you correct about that one because <laughs> they ran over the Lions. And I just look at it and think what the defense is doing is what New England's defense always does, right? They figure out a way to keep the game close, keep the minute. And you don't got to talk me that much being in on the zappy train. Let's go. <laughs> Give me the points. Patriots plus three in Cleveland. It'll be a tough matchup for sure. But what say you? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't know how the Browns get to three in in any way shape or form here like the close i mean i can get to like a two but you and i talk about all the time like three is the number man three is the key number it means a lot it isn't just moving a half point from two and a half or two uh you know up to two and a half or two and a half to three like it's more than that so you're not going to get more than this you're not going to get plus three and a half because that's a pretty big jump just get that extra half point on the key number so three is the best it's going to get yeah. It could get a lot worse. Um, you know, I don't know that we've seen for sure that Mac Jones isn't even going to play yeah. in this game, but I also don't know that it even really matters because Bailey Zappi is doing just enough. He had one interception last week and it was on a Nelson Aguilar. You stop me if you've heard this one before a Nelson Aguilar drop that led to the interception where Belichick, you're, you know, immediately benched Aguilar for the rest of the game, which is like, again, I don't ask that much from coaches. We can talk about other coaches here going forward. But like when a guy like Nelson Aguilar, who I don't really understand is how is how he's still on a roster, because like the plays that he makes do not exceed the failures that he creates and the position that he puts his team in with drop passes and fumbles, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Like, the fact that Belichick's like, nope, man, sorry, you're out. Like, you are not allowed back on the field, like, at any <laughs> given point the rest of the uh, of the game. Like, that's all I want out of my coaches, you know? Now, as far yeah. as the handicap is concerned, like, we talked about it last week, right? Like, Jared Goff, like, he's got – he just had to dust off the Super Bowl uh, playbook against the Rams. And then, as if maybe he has uh, some idea of what Jacoby Brissett is uh, capable maybe. of. Maybe, you know, right. Like he might, might have, an, have idea. an idea of, uh, <laughs> of what that gentleman is, is up to. So like, I, like, why am I supposed to really like, like the Browns here? Because their defense is still garbage. They just let a chargers team who had no real running game all season long, just gash them up and down the field. Now that game, obviously it was close and could have gone either way, but like the Browns never really outside of the first quarter, like in position, to cover a big number there yeah so like i don't really understand what this number is about like this should be not that different from the lions game mm -hmm. uh last week now i don't expect the browns to get shut out in this situation but i certainly think plus three like the bills chiefs obviously in a way less interesting game here in cleveland i think it's the same situation right you take the full field goal with the patriots and you got to be pretty excited about that love it um, also been loving my Niners these days as San Francisco 49ers in week six are five and a half point favorites in Atlanta. And I don't like this. I, I really don't. I, you know, I hate the Vegas zone and this five and a half number where they're trying to get you to, to take the Falcons, but I have faith in the Niners and I have faith in the Niners defense. And we saw Atlanta, they struggled last week against a tough Tampa Bay defense. And hey, your reward for that is getting the Niners defense. 
My question to you, though, is five and a half just too many points? I'm on the Niners, but is it too many points? I actually don't think that it is. Uh, we, we, we were at six in this game, and it's come down to five and a half. Okay. My personal ratings that have, like, it's funny, like, I like both of these teams throughout the season. My personal ratings that have had the Falcons a little bit higher than the market, which is why we have been on them quite frequently this, this season, up until, of course, last week. We can, you know, talk about that game uh, <laughs> a little bit when we get to Tampa Bay. Um, but I really more want to talk about San Francisco here because this is this interesting part of their schedule. We talked about it last week where it was like, okay, how do they do after the Rams game? Right. Every year they're sort of underdogs or short favorites to the Rams and they have to go on the road. And it seems like they're always playing some dumpy team and they're about a you know touchdown favorite. And you think like this is the letdown spot. And no, never sort of works out that way. Mm-hmm. They, having just played in Carolina and now going to Atlanta, they're not doing the crisscross across the country travel thing. Right. They are doing a thing for the third straight year where they're staying in West Virginia at the Greenbrier Resort, where they're able to, you know, there's a bunch of fields and whatnot, and they can do all sorts of practice things there and not have to do the massive travel situation. So I go, OK, well, how did it how did it look for them the last two times that they've done again? Tiny sample size, by the way. Yeah. But the last two times that they've done the Greenbrier trip, which I think they request at the start of, or, you know, when the schedule is being made, like, Hey, can we get back to back East coast games? Because I think they like doing this trip. And they had a six point win last year at Philadelphia in the second game when they were a three point favorite. And then they absolutely housed the giants after doing a New York, New York combo Mm -hmm. a couple of years ago where they went jets and giants and they covered a spread of, I think it was around probably wasn't listen it was the giants it was probably over a touchdown um they covered that one quite comfortably winning by like 30 points so the point is is like they have this down right and when it comes to the nfl and like you know you and i talked about in week one continuity right and like who's bringing back the state the stuff that they were doing last year you and i have talked in the past about the chiefs and like they have all these extra plays because honestly they kind of get bored in practice because they already know all of the stuff that they want to do they're not in constantly installing stuff whatever like the playbook is the playbook and they just keep adding stuff at the back end of it whereas you have these like rookie uh coaches and the one thing that you want to be worried about by the way for thursday night is Matt Eberflus on a short week, right? That a rookie coach trying to prepare his team for a Thursday. Now, the good news is Ron Rivera is on the other side, so it's probably negligible because he's probably just completely lost that team at this point. But when it comes to the 49ers, like, yeah, we've done this before. We know what we're doing with this road trip thing. Like, we know going into the start of the year, we're going to do this, like, basically 10-day trip, business trip, take care of, you know, two wins that frankly they should have and so now that this thing is down to minus five and a half and again no quarter l patterson we saw last week with the falcons as much as that was ridiculous that they covered that back door against the buccaneers like the offense was not great which mm-hmm. was the expectation without it's and patterson pa- uh, Pitts is back to practice but patterson is on ir like he will not be back this week and so like you know as much as the falcons are moving the ball the 49ers have the best defense right now in, in the league. This is a different deal than even against the Buccaneers, who we think of as this good defense. But the numbers don't back that up right now in yeah. the same way that the numbers certainly back up the 49ers. So, like, it hasn't been an issue from a spot standpoint. It 
you know, is a pretty good matchup where again, they don't have to deal with the Falcons, you know, crazy offense, by the way, they just saw the Falcons last year at home and took, uh, took care of them quite comfortably. So there isn't even that much of a surprise. Obviously that was the Matt Ryan, uh, addition, but from a run game standpoint, right. They know the plays, et cetera, et cetera. So like, I, I would love to be able to back the Falcons and obviously, you know, again, undefeated against the spread because of what happened last week. But like, sometimes the game just doesn't, it just doesn't go your way. And you and I talk all the time, like, okay, let's start from a point of taking the points and then figure out a way how that's not going to be good, right? How is this yeah. team going to cover? How are they going to win above and beyond sort of what their usual, you know, what their expectation of themselves is, right? Because all they're ask asking of themselves is to win. We're the ones asking them to win by six points. Like last week against the Bucks, the Falcons were the perfect example, getting outplayed 21 to nothing. Like everything was rolling. Two points of line value from eight to 10 to eight and a half to 10 and a half, right? Depending on your number, like, and then it all just sort of falls apart because like it's the fourth quarter and the Bucks are playing prevent defense, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. So like the Falcons are getting all their yards on prevent kind of BS stuff in the fourth quarter. Like what would their numbers have looked like if the Buccaneers were like forced to try to like aggressively play defense in that fourth quarter? And would we still be seeing this line getting taking money from plus six down to five and a half like i don't really agree with that move it's not going to be some massive bet i don't think i mean listen it's wednesday who knows where i'm going to be sort of by the time sunday rolls around here but like the 49ers have proven that they can cover this number in this type of spot against this type of team and so i don't think this is necessarily one that i'm dying to grab the falcons with yeah i'm right there with you at I'm on the Niners of five and a half points is a little strange to me, but I totally get it. And I not strange to me. It, Vegas zone is always strange to me. That's just where I'm at. But also strange to me is this next game here is we have the jets at the Packers. This is a weird one because the Packers are coming off of the London trip and not elected to not have said by week. And now yeah. they will take on the jets and find themselves as seven point favorites. I'm on the jets, but this is a thing. I, I don't know if the Jets are good. The Packers do worry me, especially after losing outright to the Giants. So my question for you is, do I chalk that up to just London or am I crazy for, am I crazy for being on the Jets at plus seven? Like that's just like, all of these things are weird to me, right? Like, and, yeah. and, and a lot of this is branding. Cause like the branding is that the Jets always suck. The branding is the Packers are always good. Right. <laughs> and the branding is London games are always crazy. So you add that all up. Should yeah. I be on the Packers here? Okay. So, you know, we, all, we always got to go to the worksheet with this, right? And it's mm -hmm. like, okay, the Packers were just neutral, neutral field, eight point favorites against the Giants. Mm -hmm. So immediately you go, okay, are the Jets better than the Giants? Are the Giants sort of equal right now to the Jets? Or are the Jets worse than the Giants, right? Mm -hmm. I think right now, at best, you can say that the Giants are equal. Okay. Uh, to the Jets, right? I think that's like a pretty fair sort of, you know, maybe there's a half point difference, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that would, now that we've moved this thing to Lambeau and you're going to throw a couple points, the Packers way for home field advantage, the number should be 10, right? Uh, and let's, what you're saying. let's go the other way with it. The Jets are just three and a half point home underdogs to Teddy Bridgewater. And like, I don't know what was going to happen. Listen, it was the first pass of the game, yeah. right? Where he gets knocked out of that game. And, you know, Skylar Thompson, who like, by the way, wasn't even that good. 
or wasn't even really good at all at, at Kansas State. Like they barely ever threw the ball. And now all of a sudden, like he's basically off the street and in an NFL game. Yeah. And so I'm supposed to give the Jets all this credit because they ended up putting up 40 points. But listen, there was fumbles, there's interceptions, there's like just kind of a, everything obviously got way off the rails for the Dolphins uh, once Thompson was in. Not that it, all of that was even his fault necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, I'm giving him credit for that. I'm giving him credit for a win, you know, kind of a comeback win against the Steelers. And then obviously the crazy comeback win against the Browns. Like it's all very like could be 0-5-y. For the Jets, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I guess they earned the win against the Steelers, and like they they take they took advantage of the of the good fortune uh, last week. But like, is that enough for us to start not even boosting the Jets in rel- in relation to the Packers, but boosting them in relation to the Giants, right? Because that's the comp from an immediate like in the same week point spread type standpoint. Okay, and so it's not ruling out the idea that like the jets could cover this number or like the jets could win this game outright. It's more just looking like if I had told you this, like literally last Wednesday Mm -hmm. that the Packers were only going to be a flat seven point favorite at home against the jets. Like you'd be going and grabbing a sack of money and like showing up at your local sports book to make a bet on the Packers. Now what we've seen from the Packers is what? Well, it was a 10-point game at halftime, a 10-point mm-hmm. lead, I should say, at halftime against the Giants. And nobody, I don't remember the parade to bet on the Giants for the second half of that game. Right? I don't think people just thought, yep, here come the Giants. So, like, basically we saw kind of a bad half uh, of the Packers in that game. And then obviously, like, oh, they didn't cover against the Patriots. And it's like, yeah, but you know what? Belichick, and, the, and he just might be into it this season, right? Like, he might just be like, you know, look in here with a young defense that I think he likes a lot. Like that just might. And by the way, like that was an, an overextended line that we saw coming mm-hmm. two weeks ago. So like, I'm not going to beat the Packers up for not covering that line. Like they probably should have won that game by about seven. And so again, like are the jets in the neighborhood of the Patriots, right? Like even if that number shouldn't have been nine and a half and it should have been seven, like, the Patriots were seven, you know, theoretical seven point underdogs, and now the Jets are going to be seven point. Like, there's just no real way to get the Jets down to seven points here for it to make any sense. So, okay. I don't, I'm not going to get in the way of you like grabbing the Jets here because like you feel a certain way about like where this Jets team is headed because there's a lot of young talent and like there's it's actually things are looking up, but like they're looking up a little bit more conceptually right now than they are in like reality for me. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the Packers, it's like how many times do they sort of have to kind of kick away a game and then come home and play kind of a crappy team and then just absolutely blow that team out. And then you go, okay, like they're fine again. Right. So like, I think to me, this is a Packers minus seven play. Um, Once you get into minus seven now, okay, well, if there's value on minus seven, there's going to be value on minus one in a teaser, right? Like getting the Packers down to minus one for a minus two seventy teaser leg. I think is really valuable. Again, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win. They certainly blew up my teaser and everybody's teaser to high <laughs> hell last week yeah. in that in that choke job against the Giants. But again, like, you know, I'm not sold necessarily on Robert Sala. And, you know, I had high hopes for Brian Dable for the Giants, and he mm-hmm. has exceeded those hopes. And so I just look at it and I go, I don't get how we can be down this low with the Packers unless there is something like legitimately wrong 
with this team, and maybe there is. I just, I'm looking to fade the Packers against teams that I think have like really, truly earned it. And I just don't know that I'm there yet with the Jets. In fact, I know I'm not there yet with the Jets. I got to be honest with you. You almost had me in this one. Like so close. <laughs> like almost had me. This one's going to be super interesting. Uh, uh, maybe it's just like my my ill-fated feelings towards Aaron Rodgers still that has me foolishly against them this season, which is totally unfair and not a reason to gamble on or against a team. I'm saying that out loud. Don't worry. But you almost had me. I'm, I'm more so just want to make the point that you almost had me. And that's what I love about this pod so much. I love the way that we can talk and break down games. And you just mentioned the Giants. And guess what? That is the next game. The Ravens, five-point favorites on the road in New York. I find myself on the Giants, the plus five, and that's really, really weird. This line is begging people, I feel like, to bet on the Giants and I don't want to do it. I hate doing this, but I feel like as we do this pod year in, year out, it's like you have this voice in my ear that just whispers, you know, sometimes you just got to make these ugly bets and you're not going to like it. This is yeah. how I feel about this one. What say you? Uh, okay. So let's start with the market number, right? It opens four and a half. My numbers mm -hmm. came to five based on, I should say like the market numbers, came to five what happened moved up to five right and we mm -hmm. talked about this with a couple of games last week how if my numbers tend to think i know one of them was the uh, vikings and the bears right i was talking about how like my numbers come to eight but i don't trust the vikings to cover an eight point spread against anybody well sure enough we just sat there and watched the line go up to eight even some eight and a half popped up and i'm like i get why this is moving up because like <laughs> that's how the market ratings feel about it Mm -hmm. But I also don't really want anything to do with uh, the Vikings. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's kind of the same thing right now with the Ravens, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, okay. Like, they got that Jets win on the road. There's a couple other wins on the road. We've talked about how, like, the struggles at home were really odd. And, like, that they were 14 seconds away, so to speak, from being 5-0. and And it's still kind of the, the, you know, it's still kind of the same thing here. But the second halves are a problem for this Ravens team, right? They were up 10 against the Bengals in that first half. They did, didn't even need to get to the second half before they blew the lead in that game. And eventually obviously had to come back for that late drive. And so I just look at it and I go, okay, it's one thing if the Ravens are giving points or we're talking about a pick them or whatever, but you know, again, it's weird to say, but like Daniel Jones and really more like, you know, Brian Dable, they've shown like, a 10 point comeback against the Packers is like a legit thing, man. Like mm -hmm. that's something. And so this Ravens defense like gives it up. And so, you know, again, it wasn't a high scoring game necessarily last week against the Bengals, but like when a push comes to shove, unfortunately they're just kind of falling over right now. And so like, this is a home dog that like I can get behind my numbers. And again, I like the Ravens. Like I'm the one clinging mm -hmm. to the Ravens at like a relatively high rating here, but like, I also kind of like the the Giants here again. Not nothing crazy here. High thirties out of a hundred. We're not going nuts. Yeah. And my numbers come to three and a half for this game, right? So I get hmm. why it went up to five because that's how the market has rated these teams. But like at some point, you have to take the ra the Ravens down a notch. And I'm still not even taking them down a notch. You know, for only winning by two points last week and not covering. It's more just like, I don't really trust them in this situation where I'm I'm asking them to cover 
a number, right? Like More I than think a field goal, could, yeah. Yeah, like this could be a 10-point game where the Giants come down because the Ravens' like defense just doesn't have it. And like they come in through the back door. By the way, the Giants could win this game outright because, again, the Ravens, it's not like they're dog walking any of these teams, right? Like Joe Flacco is basically the only guy that they have a comfortable victory against, right? And so, um, you know, it's, you know, you look at the the London thing, by the way, and it's, you know, sort of funny, right? Because Minnesota and New Orleans came back from London and they literally both won by a touchdown. Yeah. But for the Saints, it was good because it was a cover because the line was mm-hmm. five and a half. But for yeah. the Vikings, it wasn't any good because the you know it was plus seven and a half, eight, eight and a half throughout yeah. the week there. But they both had the same result. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's I don't you know, I just don't know that there's anything, you know, I wish there was something we could take from the Packers, or I wish there was something we could take from the Giants and winning these games. I will say, right, like you're always a little bit frightened about the team that won in London, especially in kind of a dramatic way, coming back and maybe not playing all that well. But listen, the Vikings pulled it off last week. And again, the bar is so much lower for the Giants just having to not lose by a touchdown here against the Ravens. Yeah, I think I'm right where where you are here with the Giants plus five. And maybe it goes to plus six, and that would be awesome too. As I was saying, a weird place for me to be. I couldn't tell you if there's ever been another week since we've been doing this pod where I've been on the Giants and Jets in the same weekend. But yeah. hey. <laughs> seven and three overall. Let's keep rolling. Let's right. Exactly. Let, let's keep things rolling here. Speaking of the aforementioned Vikings, they are three point favorites in Miami. Kirk Cousins, a three point road favorite in Miami. Okay. That seems like a lot to ask to me, but the bigger question might be who's a Dolphins quarterback? Yeah. And I don't that, know who that is at all. Right? And that's the critical question here. But even with that said, I'm on Miami plus three. Is that even stranger? Is that just my hate for Kirk Cousins? Is that just me giving too much love to Miami uh, home field early on in the NFL season? What What's going on here? Yeah. So I do the thing where it's like, okay, what does, the, what does Miami's reading have to be for this line to make sense? Right. Because mm-hmm. like, honestly, there's no reason to adjust the Vikings basically ever, right? Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> like the four and one record is great, right? Like we have some high-end futures from before the season started. And like maybe they end up finishing like 14 and three somehow. But like yeah. we know what this team is, right? They are seven point winners against the, you know, the Lions and the and the Bears, and like nothing more than that. And that's sort of like the max, <laughs> right? They are three point winners on a neutral to the Saints. Like we knew that was the, the situation, right? It's just you know, what number did you get? Like, we know that they're probably better than this version of the Packers right now, certainly at home. Like there is, and they're also going to get smoked when they go to like a scary, you know, nighttime type setting for Kirk Cousins, right? Like it's, we got it, man. We have it figured out. And so the X factor here is Miami. And so what we have to do is we have to go, okay, like what is the rating for Miami? And we've done this literally every week with a different team and a different quarterback situation, right? And it's like, this quarterback goes out, so how much do we downgrade them, right? So how do we, how far do we go for the Dolphins here with Skylar Thompson? Because we already know, okay, the Vikings, as a number, are a 56 out of 100. The Dolphins have been right around there. And honestly, we talked about this last week, like, okay, if we were looking at uh, everybody's, you know, healthy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera situation, and the Dolphins would be short favorites, that would be a spot where we like the Vikings, but now they're road favorites, right? Where it's, you know, minus three, right? Instead of being short underdogs, they're that. And then the Dolphins would have to be about a 36 out of a hundred here, 
with Skylar Thompson. Now you go, oh, they just gave up 40 points to the Jets. Like, yeah, that might be fair. But that's how this works all the time, right? Like the team gets their quarterback hurt. The guy who is not prepared or ready to play has to come in. He has gotten basically no snaps all week, and they have to kind of just figure it out on the fly. Well, this time they get a full week, in theory, of Skylar Thompson. Mm -hmm. Where the sort of wild card is in all of this is Teddy Bridgewater, I don't think, had a concussion <laughs> last week. And, like, of uh, course, the first game, right, uh, we have this, like, concussion worry type situation where it's like, sorry, no, two is out for years and, and Teddy's out for months. And everybody yeah. else gets their head slammed against the ground and, mm -hmm. like, sorry, they're not on the Dolphins. So, like, they, they're not in trouble uh, as far as, <laughs> you know, like, not being able to play. So, as I understand it, concussion protocol, the last I heard was, like, he can't practice until Thursday. But if Thursday rolls around and he, in fact, did not have a concussion, then like he should be playing in this game. Correct. At which point the Dolphins rating has to go back to where it was last week when they played the Jets, which again was a downgrade from the 2-0 rating, but still not 36 out of 100, <laughs> right? And of yeah. course, we saw the minus three and a half at the Jets. You take that rating, you extrapolate that over here to Minnesota, Miami, and you get Miami minus one. So look at it this way, right? If it's Tua, it's probably Miami minus two and a half. If it's Teddy, it's probably Miami around to pick them, right? Okay. And then if it's Skylar Thompson, it's probably Minnesota minus three and maybe higher once it's like official that it's Skylar Thompson coming in. Yeah. But if it goes any higher, one, we're crossing over the key number of three, and mm -hmm. we're also crossing in the territory of, like, now the Dolphins are the worst team in the league, right? Like, the low 30s right now is worst team in the league rating territory. I'm not saying the Dolphins would be. I'm saying mm -hmm. that's what the rating would suggest. Yeah. And so that means that we kind of have to bet the Dolphins here because a couple of different things. One, there's only so far this can go further for it to make any sense right maybe it goes a half point further to plus three and a half we just talked about what is involved in moving a number off of three but if teddy bridgewater is playing here this is a pick em game that we're getting a for a free three points on yeah. so like there's a couple of different ways that this works out to your benefit by taking the dolphins the way that it doesn't work out is if they play this game and the Dolphins are, in fact, the worst team in the league just because Skylar Thompson is the quarterback. Yeah. Which I suppose is possible, right? <laughs> like, and listen, that could not be the case, and they could still lose this game by, you know, more than three points, right? Again, the results of these games don't necessarily indica in indicate who should have covered, who should have won. That's yeah. the nature of the NFL. But yeah, man, I think another situation where, and this is kind of a weird one, where it's like, yeah, we just got to take the three points here. Again, hope Teddy Bridgewater does not have a concussion, that he's back in practice on Thursday, and that he is good to go from Sunday because this number will come off three if that's the case. And if it doesn't come off the three, that is a massive mistake. Yeah, looking forward to see how that game plays out on Sunday for sure. Moving on, we got the Bengals at the Saints. Bengals favored by a point and a half in New Orleans. And am I wrong for liking the Saints here? I love their defense. But more importantly, to me, the Bengals' 
offense just seems to be sputtering. Like it just doesn't seem to be cooking at the same rate as it was last season. Jamar Chase isn't running as free as he was last season. And now you're going up against Lattimore and company in New Orleans. Like I just don't see how that translates. But hey, this is why I asked the questions <laughs> of you, my friend, because I'm going to be on the Saints here. And, you know, my only worry is, if the Bengals are favored, is that just a low enough number to take the Bengals? Uh, no, I, I think it's the correct number. The okay. uh, mar market rating suggests about a 1.1. So, you know, one and a half is completely fine. There are some two, two and a halves available. Again, over at the score bet, they had two and a half up, which is prime, like a run, don't walk situation to mm -hmm. bump that up to eight and a half. I mean, just yep. think about that for a second. Who is this Bengals team beating by more than eight and a half at this point? Because like you said, right, like the defense pretty good, but like the offense is a real struggle at this Mm -hmm. right like it's funny how long sometimes it feels like teams take to adjust or figure out what a team wants to do and like you saw jamar chase and listen a lot of that wasn't all that sustainable right it was 80 yard touchdown passes <laughs> to jamar chase like left and right last year that's how he built up a lot of that yardage number it's like that's yeah. not something you see in the NFL, right? The NFL isn't just a track meet of like dudes having 80 yard touchdowns. Like all Randy Mosses. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, it's actually more like a matriculation down the field of like 10 to 15 yards at a time type of a deal. And like, okay, now that we figured out maybe the Bengals offensive line, right? They addressed it in the offseason, but they certainly did not fix it. You know, Joe Mixon had a better game on the ground. I don't know if that was just because they had some meeting, right? Like they, Mixon was like, oh, we had a meeting. Like, well, if you had, if you needed a meeting to get the ground game figured out, why were we not having meetings earlier? Than this? <laughs> Isn't um, that what the offseason's for? Like, OTA? Totally. And, like, the Saints, you know, I'll go back to the well here with the Saints, like, defensive line. Again, until I see some, like, decent sample size metrics that say that the Saints defensive line isn't what it used to be or isn't what the guys on that defensive line are, mm -hmm. then, like, yeah, they're going to beat the Bengals in the trenches when the Bengals have the ball. Yeah. And offensively, the thing that I saw last week was Alvin Kamara back healthy, not, you know, fumbling the ball around because he's got a, you know, rib cage issue or a shoulder issue or whatever it was. And he's catching the ball out of the backfield from Andy Dalton. Like his, you know, we had a winner on his, uh, on his props last uh, week. Mm -hmm. uh, over like 20 something receiving yards. And my guy had like 80 receiving yards and had like an over 20 yard catch just on, on one catch alone. And if Alvin Kamara is doing that, then it doesn't really matter if Jameis Winston's the quarterback or Andy Dalton's the quarterback, because anybody can get it to Alvin Kamara. And then you have this Taysom Hill thing where it's like, yeah, it was kind of annoying when they had Drew Brees in and then they would be like, nope, Taysom Hill is going to take a snap as the quarterback. Mm -hmm. But like, it fits a little bit better this year. Definitely. Now it's going to fit against certain teams and it's always anything's going to fit against the Seattle Seahawks. You and I talked about that last week and that's why we were on the Saints last week. Yes, and so we <laughs> you know, now we're getting a point and a half of this team at home against an offensive line in a loud stadium. That's, yes. you know, like there's going to be jumping false starts. There are going to be quick jumps for the Saints off the defensive line. And like, yeah, I... I get what, you know, the number is what it is. It's not like there's some like crazy value play. I can't believe we're getting three points. Listen, if it was Bengals minus three, it'd be like the greatest day ever. But like, no, man, this is a pick em game plus one, whatever. Like that all makes sense. But I have New Orleans here as like, I don't want to say the better team 
certainly would help if Michael Thomas came back. It would help my fantasy team. I'll tell you that right now. Um, but, you know, this is this is one where, like, yeah, we saw what we needed to see out of the offense for the Saints last week. And I think the defense is going to have success against the Bengals' uh, offense. And, yeah, I think this is another Saints win. Okay, okay. Uh, moving on, we got the Panthers at the Rams. Rams, 10.5-point favorites. And for our new listeners to the pod, just to let you know, I am always going to lean towards taking the points in the double-digit spreads. That's always normally where I'm going to be, and then asking Matt to talk me out of it, why I shouldn't just be taking the points. But in this instance, <laughs> after watching the Panthers weekend, in week out, I question, how could I possibly take the Panthers? So my question here to you, my friend, as I am on the Rams, I flip this narrative around here. I'm on mm-hmm. the Rams, minus 10 and a half. Should I be buying into this thing we like to call the new coach bump for the Panthers here? I don't, I don't know if it's a new coach bump or a like removal of two things that, you know, as you say, like ain't it. Right. Yeah. Like if we're removing Baker May, if the problem is Matt <laughs> rules, not good at a, a good coach mm-hmm. and Baker Mayfield is not a good quarterback, which I think mm-hmm. are two pretty fair assessments. Yep. And we remove that. Is that an upgrade for a team or a downgrade for a team? Right. And so then, then how is that reflected in the point spread here? Right. We go, okay, how yeah. do we get to 10 and a half on a Rams team that like, honestly, just, I don't think is any good. And mm-hmm. you know, we've kind of been on that too all Correct. season long. It's why it's why that point spread record of yours is so good is because we have been sort of ahead of the game on like good teams who aren't that good, good teams who are pretty good, bad teams who aren't that bad, bad teams or mediocre teams that are a little worse than than we think, right? Like that's literally the name of the game, buying and selling, right? It's all a market, yada, yada, yada. All that is to say, like, okay, let's do the thing where we knock down the Panthers, right? Like, we've had them in the 30s along with, you know, the Jets and the Bears and the Seahawks and the Falcons and the Texans. And it took us a minute to get down there because, you know, they were kind of scrappy against the Browns and the Giants early on in the season. I can get down to 27, right? It's like kind of a reverse (laughs) auction, right? Let's go below 30. Mm -hmm. Let's go down to 27 out of 100. And again, we'll keep the Rams where they are which I think is kind of still an overassessment in the, in the low sixties. Mm-hmm. You could easily talk me into like, maybe something like 58 feels about right. And I'd be like, yeah, you know what? kind of does. And I still cannot get to 10, let alone 10 and a half or mm. 11. Now okay. I don't think PJ Walker is any good, but honestly, Baker Mayfield wasn't any good. And like, it's a one game deal where like maybe PJ Walker is good for one game. I'm not, I would never ask PJ Walker to be good for like two games, for example, (laughs) or three games. Yeah. But for one game, again, also part of it is like, how good do you really have to be? Right. Cause we just watched uh, Cooper rush, not really do anything for the Cowboys last week. And much to our delight, the Cowboys won that game and obviously covered that game relatively easily. So like if the bar is what Cooper Rush did last week Hmm. and getting some special teams, or maybe there's a, maybe there's a fake punt, right? Like as if you're a new coach an interim head coach, right? You're probably getting a little loose, man. You're probably working a little fake punt in the mix, doing all that kind of stuff, right? Hell yeah. If you're stealing a possession in a game that might only have 10 or 11 possessions per team, like, 
Now, all of a sudden, it kind of gets a lot easier to cover 10 and a half. I'm not saying the Panthers can should win this game or whatever. But by the way, like Panthers defense, pretty good. Nothing's changing from that standpoint. All they're doing is having P.J. Walker, who has been on the team for a very long time, yeah. run the plays, yeah. right? Like just run the plays. And that's, by the way, assuming that P.J. Walker's in. I'd have to double check this, but I just because I just it just occurred to me. Like I think Sam Darnold's coming off of IR. Like I think he's eligible. If it's not this week, oh. it's next week. And now okay. listen, we're not going to have a parade running around out, <laughs> out in the streets because Sam Darnold is back as the starting quarterback. But at least that dude is a professional quarterback who, by the way, might be better than Baker Mayfield because that's the bar that Baker Mayfield has set. I think I saw that he's like the second worst QBR since uh other than jamarcus russell going back and like my long lost cousin jamarcus was not a good quarterback so (laughs) (laughs) so we look so i just look at this and i go okay like pj walker can throw the ball five yards to christian mccaffrey Mm -hmm. pj walker might be able to throw a slant to dj Moore. he might be able to do it better than baker mayfield by the way pj walker is ready willing and able to use his legs to get out on the get out in the field. By the way, so is Sam Darnold if it happens if that so happens to be the case, right? But this line says PJ Walker. This line says team that is completely given up. If they make some sort of crazy trade, you know, Brian Burns and Christian McCaffrey, like those guys go out the door here in you know throughout the rest of the week, then okay, fine. Like you can maybe talk me into the Rams. But like if the Rams had some sort of switch to flip where they all of a sudden like became good again, they would have flipped that switch against, I don't know, say the 49ers where they got what nine points in that game or yeah. against the Cowboys where they cracked one play to Cooper cup, who by the way is still awesome, but is literally the only guy of any sort of repute on that offense, obviously outside of Stafford. And so I just look at it and go like this team is supposed to be a 10 and a half point favorite. <laughs> like I know it's to that team. But, like, but... if we took away the two bad things about that team, like, why are we downgrading that team? Yeah. Right? Like, it's, oh, I'm not even asking anybody to upgrade them. I'm just saying don't downgrade them. I'm not even saying don't downgrade them. I'm saying don't downgrade them by as much as they are being downgraded. So, yeah, over 10 and a half, like, yeah, I think it's a hold your nose here. Grab the Panthers and do it. And I, and I love that you're doing it. The card is coming up. Finally. The card is up. The card is up. We have switched. The first Carolina one. Panthers is the pick plus 10 and a half points. And again, Hey, this is a double digit spreads. You don't have to talk me into it that much. Normally that's my side. I just needed you to, to talk me up a little on PJ Walker and also talk me down on the Rams a little bit more. Cause I'm not high on the Rams clearly as we easily were on the Cowboys. We were easily on the Niners the last few weeks, but this is just, you know, it's kind of like, how low can you go if you're the Rams at this point? And if right. you can't blow out the Carolina Panthers, like, you know, what are we, as you said, what are we really asking for you to do as PJ Walker, right? Yeah. So here we go. Um, another game, as we stick with the NFC West, we got the Cards and the Seahawks. Cardinals, three-point road favorites, and this is simple to me. You're telling me I'm getting Gino as a ro- as a home underdog? Let's roll. I'm easily on the Seahawks in this one. Tell me why I'm crazy cuz I'm just taking this super easy. Oh, like a cake. Oh, this game. <laughs> wow, that reaction, eh? Yeah, cuz it's like it's... I love it. Okay. So, first and foremost, yeah, like <laughs> I want to be there with you. The numbers suggest that I should 
be there with you. Oh, okay. I like the market ratings for these teams have like honestly the the Seahawks like basically favored. I mean, by like a half point. Like my ratings, you know, they don't care much for Arizona. They have it as a dead square pick them, and like we're getting plus three. But sweet lord, that defense is bad. Like correct. Again, we you know we talked about how like okay we like kind of what the you know Saints are you know mixing in here and and obviously Kamara and that sort of thing. But it's like, God, I mean, just look at the Lions, man. How easy was it for the Lions in a losing cause against Seattle, and then they literally got shut out the next week, right? <laughs> like the, the Seahawks defense is so bad, yeah. it convinced human beings to bet on the Lions plus three. At the Patriots last night. I had to be talked out of it. I had to be talked out of it. I yeah. And it's like, that's how bad the, the it's like, it, again, it's less to do with the Lions. It's more to do with like, that's how bad the Seahawks defense is. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, we've just seen Kyler have to deal with the Eagles defense and like the, you know, uh, what Raiders defense, like their defensive line is pretty good, but like he still was able to score like what is 20 something straight points. And like, mm handled okay the panthers defense which again i think is still pretty good and it's like man this is gonna feel like really nice <laughs> right to play you know we kind of talked about the same way with the saints last week like it's gonna feel really nice to play this seahawks defense but then if i'm going to bet on the the cardinals which by the way in the nfc circle cycle of life right cardinals quote-unquote own the seahawks yep would fit in the cycle of life in the NFC West. Kyler running free on this defense. Yeah. And, and, and like, maybe there's some hope because they competed and frankly, almost maybe should have, could have, would have beat the Eagles last week. And like, maybe they're even a better team on the road than they are at home. Because like, I don't honestly, I don't really know what kind of home field advantage Arizona even has, especially against like, well uh, traveling fans, you know, of mm -hmm. teams. And so I go, okay, like, there has to be something like they don't just give away a full three points. You know, we just talked about like in some of these games, like the market ratings, like eventually the line goes towards those towards that rating, even if it's a half point or a point, like we're never off that far unless there's an injury, right? Yeah, like yeah. we talk about like a Skylar Thompson, all of a sudden just throwing everything out of whack. There's no reason for this line to be Arizona three there's some obviously some heavy juice on on grabbing seattle plus three the more sort of common line is two and a half so like i think i mean seahawks plus two and a half up to eight and a half is a really good teaser line so it's like all of that screams value seahawks value seahawks but like there's just something about this where it goes like oh man yeah actually the Cardinals scored like five touchdowns and you know like their defense they have honestly one of the best corners in the league that absolutely nobody want, nobody talks about and like that's going to be something that the Seahawks haven't necessarily faced uh, you know yet this season and so i just look at this and i like man this feels like we're all just going right off the ledge here on the Seahawks getting points and like the cardinals are going to show that like they're not quite dead yet mm -hmm. and they're going to win this game by a field goal or seven points or something along those lines yeah. So anyway, if I sigh that much before a game, you know, I'm not exactly crazy about it. So that's no, no, I'm no, I, I got you. I got you. I understand some of these lines it's, at certain points. It seems a little too easy. I got you. I understand. I know what you're saying. Um, Jags and Colts. Speaking of two teams that just seem a little too easy, but you got to take one of them here as the Colts are two and a half point favorites.
favorites at home. I'm going to be on the Jags. You know, I like betting on the Jags, but that's not really, this is more of a fact of, I can't get Matt Ryan's washness out of my mind from watching last week. They won that game somehow. And I don't know exactly. Well, I do know how Russell Wilson was just worse and made horrible plays down the stretch, but at least I can see the Jags and Trevor Lawrence, like making some moves on offense, like figuring out a way to like move the ball down the field. The Colts, it was just three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Matt Ryan, like it's, it was just an ugly, ugly showing by the Colts last week. But my question to you is it's the Jags. <laughs> like, should I be that confident in taking the Jags? <laughs> so that's the thing, right? Like the Jags and the lions, as we talked about last week, yeah, are the same, right? Like they're mm-hmm. the Kaiser Soze of the <laughs> NFL, right? Like the greatest trick the devil ever played was making you believe that he didn't exist right like the greatest trick that the lions and jags somehow you know pulled off here is making people believe that the jags for example should be a seven point favorite against anybody on planet earth yeah right and we, like we laughed are, we laughed at that last we laughed yeah because i was like i can't get higher than four and a half like what are we doing with seven and again like if Trevor Lawrence doesn't throw an interception, maybe that game lands on seven, but like there was never really any threat of that game landing any higher than seven. And even if it had, they'd gotten a seven point lead, there's nothing to say that the Texans wouldn't have been able to go back down and score outside of their general Texanness, admittedly. <laughs> but the point is, is like, okay, like, you know, I'd, and I write this column every week and it's honestly one of my favorite columns because it's sort of a refresher on what just happened or sort of, you know, putting a cap on what just happened and kind of reminding people like, okay, well, you know, this team won, this team lost, but what was the closing line going into that game? Like how do odds makers feel about that team? How does the market feel about the team going Mm -hmm. into that game? Now, next week's will reflect how the closing lines go into this. And the point is, it's like, okay, that's the starting point for our week Wherever the rest of the week, we figure out, okay, who are the money line underdogs that we like? Who are the teaser plays that we like? Who are the favorites that we like to play? And so, like, right now, like, you can go and check. And it, like, the Jags were 49 out of 100, like, a pure 50. And, like, you and I talked about it last week. Like, how do you feel about the Jags? And it's like, I don't know, low 40s? And it's like, yeah, low 40s. So we need to kick the Jags back down to the low 40s. And now that the Jags are back down to the low 40s, they can't be favored against the Colts. And frankly, they can't even be less than three point underdogs to the Colts. So anything okay. under a field goal here is a play on the Colts. I hopped on it like a giddy schoolboy when I saw <laughs> that it was Colts minus one early on in the week. So okay. full disclosure, like that's the number I've got. I think there's still some one and a halves or some twos out there, but I'm not sure that that's necessarily going to matter. Like, the Jags are okay. They're going to pop up. I will make a case at some point for the Jags to pull off an upset here or there. I am sure I have in the past. That game next week against the Giants is going to be electric um, <laughs> somehow in Jacksonville. Yeah. But like, and again, listen, we can talk into the whole like, well, the Colts, like they never beat the Jags and they always have trouble with them and this, that or whatever. It's like, Okay, like maybe that matters, but honestly, the past doesn't necessarily predict the future here. Yeah, it was gross last week. But again, the Denver defense is pretty good. And the Jags defense right now is just kind of okay. And their offense right now is hit or miss, depending on the circumstance and the situation. And so small favorite here has to be the Colts. 
has to be the Colts under a field goal. The the strangest thing as I'm as I'm hearing you say this is all just a reminder. Rem- remember that the Colts beat the Chiefs. Like that was a thing yeah. that happened. No, but I'm just saying like that. Like the Colts remain the weirdest team to me <laughs> this whole season. And so I totally hear you. I totally understand where you're coming from. And how but, we're not still having a conversation about that Russell Wilson throw, uh, you know, and like that decision to throw it into the end zone and 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 pick that. We'll, we'll, oh, like, we'll get there. Oh, we'll like, geez, get there. You know, we will get there. insane. Insane. <laughs> Let's go with the Bucks and the Steelers here. And the Bucks and your boy Tom Brady favored by eight points on the road. That is a lot of points. I thought last week was also a lot of points. They did not cover last week against Atlanta, but they definitely should have, if that makes sense. Hey, we all know what happens at the end of the game. The score is the score. Whatever happens, happens. But I'm not mad at that bet last week with the Bucs to cover against the Falcons. And with that said, I watched the first, what was it? The first series against the the Bills last week, the Steelers and the the huge bomb to start the game is just like, oh yeah. All right. (laughs) Bills by 14 points. Wasn't that bad of a bet at all. That was another one. It got me to switch on last week where we're talking about, I'll normally take the double digit points. You're like, no, I don't know about that one here. Right. Why can't the Bills just roll? Yeah. It's like first play from scrimmage. He just <laughs> yeah. hears it out. I was laughing so hard. Yeah. So with all that said, I have no issues taking the, the Bucks minus eight here in this game. I know it's a lot of points. I know the Steelers are going to start to figure some things out because I trust in Mike Tomlin to make them better than they should be. I just don't know if that's going to happen now against the Bucks defense, which is still pretty good. Yeah, this is a tough one too. I, super hard. I can't. I can't in good conscience lay eight points with the Bucks though. Like I know road. it is on the road. Like it, it, yeah, the just the offense. It's just not right. It just you know what I mean. Like it's like yeah, Evans is back and like Godwin's out there and like he's making some catches and like okay. Fournette's trying, but it's just like. It's just not quite right. And it requires like Evans to make like a circus catch for mm-hmm. them to score a touchdown or, or to like, you know, convert a big third down or something along those lines. Yeah, man's Tom Brady in the cold too. Is that a thing? I mean, any 45 year old man, in a, any 40 year old man in the cold, I don't care for it. Right. I'm not <laughs> looking to be in the cold. I tried to play golf last week in the cold and it was horribly, hor- horribly awry. And listen, I was bundled up for days. Um, um... It, so, okay, like, by the way, we should probably, you know, do the numbers here. Uh, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh. I don't see how this is anything other than six, and yet okay. it's eight, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, market number, and that, again, that reflects the fact that they were 14-point underdogs to <laughs> Buffalo, right? Like, it got rolled. Yeah. It got, and got rolled, right? So, like, we're going to take, take, take their rating down even a further notch. Yeah. You know, the defense for the Bucks. It's like there's just something missing there too, right? It should be a little bit better. Another week of Kenny Pickett, who like, again, I don't know that we learned anything, unfortunately, about Kenny Pickett. Good, bad, or ugly, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just look at this and I go like, this number should be six. Like, how is it eight on the road? Like, that would obviously suggest, right? We kind of do what, you know, four-point flip, right? That would suggest Tampa Bay minus 12 at home and when you look at it that way you go really tampa bay is just two points 
worse than the Buffalo Bills, this mm. edition of Tampa Bay, this edition of Buffalo, like that number does not make any sense. Okay. Mm. Okay. Okay. Right. Like we just had the Falcons. Okay. Like maybe the Falcons are better than the Steelers, this edition of the Steelers. I, you know what I mean? Like, like maybe, yeah, 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 right. Yeah. But like they were, they closed 10 and a half in that yeah. game. Yeah. So, like, I think a seven-point spread makes some sense. And I think now that we're getting seven, we're even getting, even if they go down, four, you know, 14, they come back, they get, you know, Kenny Pickett drives them down, you know, meaningless touchdown. Not that the, you know, as if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers aren't capable of just giving up meaningless touchdowns late. We just saw it. You know, and then they go for two, and we end up pushing on eight or whatever. Like, uh, you know, again, he's doing the switch. He's doing the switch. What could possibly go wrong here, folks? Yeah, I think I think you just have to take the Steelers plus eight, and like it's not going to be a fun time. But it's it's a zigzag, right? It's a zigzag. It's like it's very easy to pile on the Steelers, but much like not in the same way. But you know, Mike Tomlin will figure this out in terms of getting them to play better. I'm not saying that they're going to win. I'm not saying that they're going to make the playoffs. He just by definition will get them to play better than they've showed. No, it absolutely has like. Bucks win by a score and it was never really that like that close mm-hmm. written all over it. Whereas yeah. again, maybe I'm just, you know, extrapolating that from last week, but it's just, honestly, it's not that different from when Tennessee got absolutely trucked by Buffalo. And it was yeah. like, yeah, they're garbage. And like, they've literally won every single game since then. So I'm not saying that's going to happen with, with uh, Pittsburgh here, but I think that's where we're talking overvaluation here and undervaluation. The pick has been switched to Pittsburgh plus eight Sunday night football. Ladies and gents, we got a huge NFC East matchup Cowboys at Eagles Eagles at home as six point favorites. And to me, this is way too many points. The reason why I believe it's way too many points. And I love the Eagles. We've been riding the Eagles. I've liked the Eagles. I said, I've blindly been riding the Eagles to start this season. I was going to continue that train. Problem is, feel like no matter what is ever going on in the NFC East, these spreads are normally always three points. How we get to six is just because of Cooper Rush. What we just seen, they're not putting Cooper Rush in a position to lose them the game. I also love the Cowboys defense a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So now six points. I You got to really, really, really like the Eagles here and really dislike the Cowboys. For me to take the six points. I just can't, I can't do it. I'm on Dallas plus six here. It's just, I find it tough. I'm I'm just tough. here. So, I mean, obviously numbers matter, et cetera, et cetera. Of course. I just taking a look, I don't recall seeing it being six. It's may have happened today. Oh. Um, I'll put, I'll put it this way. Did I get this wrong? It's possible. Um, no, you're right. No, it would actually, it's up to six. It's up to six. Okay. Um, that's, that's on me, everybody. Why? Because I bet, I bet this game on Sunday night <laughs> and I bet this game, Philadelphia minus five. I love the Eagles in okay. this game. Okay. And so, and here's the case for the Eagles. Again, a lot of it comes down to like rating, right? And again, mm-hmm. I put, I put a number to these things so that we can sort of understand it in a more sort of specific way than just kind of being like, I like them. I like them a lot. I love them, you know, like whatever, whatever. The Cowboys started the year at about a 55, 56, something somewhere in there, right? Dak mm-hmm. Prescott gets hurt. The universe drops them, not me, the universe drops them to like a 30, right? 
They treat him like they treat Cooper Rush like he's Skylar Thompson. And maybe Skylar Thompson is just as good as Cooper Rush. Who knows? Skylar Thompson just taking catching strays. Catching strays. Um and then we go, you know what? Cooper Rush isn't that bad. And so remember, they were seven-point underdogs at home to Cincinnati. Like, like imagine a world where Cincinnati was a seven-point road favorite at Dallas. Like, no matter, I shouldn't say no matter right. who is quarterback, but with Cooper Rush or Dak Prescott as the quarterback. Then it's like, okay, well, now they're underdogs to the Giants. <laughs> it's like, okay, I mean, I guess the Giants are playing pretty well. So, like, maybe that would happen again in this world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then they were only three-point home favorites to Washington. And then they were five-and-a-half road to the Rams. And now, because of those wins, we have gotten to a point where the Cowboys are now back in the rating to about 55. Yeah. It's like, we've probably gone too far because Cooper rushed through for like 80 yards last week. Mm-hmm. And they blocked a punt to get, you know, three points. They obviously had a, what was a fumble return uh, for a touchdown to, to get some points. And then, you know, obviously uh, Tony Pollard had that big play. The problem is like, we know the Rams offensive line isn't particularly good. So that was a, re- that was part of the handicap. Like that part of the handicap is the defense is going to succeed against that offensive line. Mm-hmm. Same thing against the Washington Commanders. Their not- offensive line isn't any good. They'd, they had Carson Wentz sacked like 25 times this season. So like we knew going in that Cooper Rush wouldn't necessarily have to do anything. Now we go on the road to Philadelphia. Their offensive line, really, really good. So Gosh. like this is, this is quality against quality matchup instead of Dallas having the advantage. Yeah, and then you go and you flip it on the offensive side, and the and the Dallas offensive line has been able to sort of you know muster enough against Washington and the Rams, but like those teams aren't nearly as deep from a defensive you know front seven standpoint as the Eagles are. You throw in like a home field and like Cooper Rush having to deal with a situation where he had the most fans in LA, he had the most fans at home. Listen, the Giants' home field advantage is basically nothing. And of course, he had the most fans at home against Cincinnati the week. Now he goes to Philadelphia, where it is going to be unwelcoming. It is going to be loud. The offensive line is going to have false starts. He is going to be put in positions where he is going to have to throw the football. None of that bodes well for this for this team. And by the way, with that bump in rating all the way up to 54, that still means this point spread is and should be about five where it was mm-hmm. opened. So they opened it at the correct number. It wasn't too many points at five because people like myself bet the minus five. Yeah. And by the way, like I haven't touched the Eagles rating basically since the Minnesota Vikings game, right? Because like, yeah, it was about right against Arizona, right? Like that could have been a seven point game. It could have been a three point game. The line was five. That makes sense. It was about the right number at home against Jacksonville. I mean, it was a little bit low. That's why we bet on Philadelphia that day. But like that game ended, what, I think seven or eight points. That line was six, right? So there hasn't really been a reason to like up, down, up, down with the Eagles. It's just been a standard for me, 65. Mm. Not quite in the 70s where we're talking about them in the same conversation as Kansas City and Buffalo, even though the 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 public, if you will, the media got really excited about the Eagles, right? They were like second favorite to win the Super Bowl, et cetera, et cetera. We didn't go that crazy, but we just put them in a nice sort of normal spot of like a quality playoff team that will probably have a better record at the end of the year than they, you know, then sort of indicates their their quality because they have a relatively easy schedule, which obviously helps their chances for winning the Super Bowl. 
So the point is, is like the number makes sense with a really high Cowboys rating. But I'm just not, I don't, I think we've gone too far on rating the Cowboys. And okay. obviously somebody else has out there to push this up to six. Yeah. So I understand like the attractiveness of six. Obviously you get a push if this thing goes so much as to overtime. But like the Minnesota Vikings are four and oh in games that don't involve them going to Philadelphia. <laughs> right? Like even the Jags up until last week, Right, we're looking like they were a pretty good team in games that didn't involve going to Philadelphia, mm -hmm. and so like I jumped on five because I was like, I this this is either the fair number that is just going to stay at five the whole time, or I'm right that people are going to see that Dallas is now officially being overrated, that they're not going to get a punt block or an interception or fumble return touchdown, and maybe they do, right? And that's what that's what they're going to need to cover yeah, this yeah. game. Yeah. But I think this is a comfortable win for Philadelphia. Now, again, once they flip and Dak come, comes back and the game's in Dallas, like this very well could be a split atop the NFC East and we'll see who ends up winning it. Like this isn't a throw the Cowboys out with the bathwater type situation. This is really just, okay, we've gone a little too far here. The market has shown that, kicking this up to six. I was happy to get five. Obviously, the difference between five and six, relatively negligible. You might just be, you know, taking a push here if you grab Philadelphia minus six. But I think they win a little bit more comfortably than that. And we wrap things up here with the Broncos at the Chargers. Monday night football. Chargers at home, five-point favorites against your man's Russell Wilson. And I will not be riding with Russell Wilson in Broncos Nation. Just can't do it. Won't do it. Cannot win with them. Give me the Chargers minus five at home. As you mentioned it last week, if it couldn't be, if it couldn't get worse for Russell Wilson, the fact that you have people predicting that soon after that game, we're going to hear of an injury as an excuse as to why he's playing that bad. And then they still do that and put out the injury that he has or that he's been playing through. It's like, come on, man, what, what are we doing here? Anyways, I know this could be another scenario where people are just going to be piling on the Broncos because it's super easy, but just count me in for that. <laughs> Give me the Chargers minus five. Let's ride. Okay. So I told I just told you I bet the, the uh, Eagles minus five on Sunday. It was not the first bet I made. The first bet that I made for the first time, I can pretty confidently say for the first time in my life, the Monday night game was the first bet that I made on the previous Sunday. As okay. in, like, normally I'd like to wait until Monday to sort of, you know, okay, let's see where the market goes, you know, blah, blah, blah. I saw a number that was so outrageous, I had no choice but to bet it. And okay. that number was the Denver Broncos plus six and a half. Okay. And, of course, I was instantly or sort of, you know, in the last couple of days, obviously proven correct from a market move standpoint, because this line has moved down to five. And so getting, you know, before the game's played plus six and a half, the number, even if it closes five, that's awesome. Here's the thing. I'm going to, we're going to do a little retroactive type deal here. Right. And so we have changed the writing for the Broncos. We have knocked them down to a 52. Maybe they should be lower. I will, un I will sort of hear an argument on that. Okay. But on the, on the assumption that the Broncos are at the bottom of their range of 52, here is what the point spreads for their past few games should have been. Okay, let's go back to the San Francisco Sunday night game. San Francisco minus one. 
Does that sound like the number that it actually was? Yes, it does. <laughs> right. Then they went to Las Vegas and with a 52 rating, mm -hmm. the Broncos should have been two and a half point underdogs to Las Vegas. Does that sound okay. like it, what it was? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Then last week, Denver as a 52 at home to the Indianapolis Colts minus 3.3. Well, that number didn't quite get to three and a half flat. And it no. certainly didn't go to three flat. So it was about in between three and three and a half. So I think that's pretty accurate. The point is, is 52 seems to be a pretty accurate rating for the Broncos, a team that, by the way, was a stupid play call and a stupid decision away from just winning that game and mm -hmm. having Russ say all his stupid garbage after the end of the game, including let's ride. And I'm glad we Hold won. On. He, he, he like, still said it anyways. <laughs> he still has a good point, but he was just like 18% sadder about it. <sighs> so the point is, is like, okay, I think we got a pretty solid handle on the Broncos. I well, let's you. do the same thing real quick with the Chargers. Last week, Cleveland minus one would be the line with the Chargers mm -hmm. at a 56. Yep, sounds about right to me. Then the week before that, at Houston, 6.8 as the favorite. They were, what, minus six in that game? Sounds about right to me. So the point is, is like we've got a pretty strong rating for both of these teams at this point. And what that calculates for this game is Chargers by like a point and a half. Yeah. Maybe two, two and a half if you're going to start telling me that the Chargers have a home field advantage, which on a Monday night against a pretty good traveling fan group in the Denver Broncos is a hard case for you to make. And even if you do, okay, knock yourself out. Go to two, two and a half. Let's say I kick the Broncos down under 50. They are a below average subpar team. They're, uh, was it left tackle, Bowles? He's out for the year. Okay, we have to knock them down for that. You know, Russell Wilson's got a labrum issue that may or may not be made up. Let's knock them down into the mid to, uh, you know, high 40s, so to speak. Let's drop their rating. Let's even bump the Chargers up a couple. They won the game. Let's throw a couple of points their way. Let's bump them to a 58. Even that only gets the Chargers to minus three, minus three and a half, if you want to give them a little bit more when it comes to home field advantage. So, yeah, it felt gross. I didn't love it, but I had to grab that Broncos plus six and a half as fast as I possibly could. The market is reflecting that being a correct decision. It is down to five. I think that number is still too high. Again, on what planet? They are the same thing as the Minnesota Vikings. On what planet are we, are we relying on the Chargers to cover a number of any kind? I know you don't care for Russell Wilson. Neither do I. It's been ugly. But honestly, like, we all know it, right? We all know it's ugly, and, like, this still is the number. So, no, yeah. they're not giving away free money on Monday night with the Chargers minus five. What? Broncos plus No five. free money. Damn it. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> plus six if you're an intrepid, aggressive better. Uh, that's what I thought. I was here for the free money. Uh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but either way, my dude – where can the people find you for more information and education as we, you know, we try to break down each and every game here on the pod. We get you through there. Are what four teams on the buy this week. That's but, right. Hey, we, we got you covered Bye weeks are here. We're, we're at that point of the season already just flies by once we begin, but where can the people find you online? That's right. At Emros Authentic on Twitter and obviously at the score, uh, grab the score app, set your betting alerts. I've decided I've got to, I've got to plug one article, different article per week 
on the show. I talked about the ratings article again. It's the best one to sort of understand the movement in the market. This game, you might go up and down a little bit, but how some of these injuries affect and where, honestly, teams are overrated or underrated, right? I mentioned the Jaguars. We'll see them rated at 49. They're not 49 anymore. That'll be reflected next week once we get a closing line for their game this week. I love it, my dude. I love it. And of course, make sure people, if you're following this podcast, you have to keep deep diving with Matt and all the stuff that he provides week in and week out on the score. Just search and find all of those links. And of course, my name is Sheldon Alexander. You can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And of course, wherever you like to like and subscribe and get your podcast, you can watch the videos on YouTube and Twitch. we got the audio for you on Apple and Spotify and all that other fun stuff because that is what we try to do. Bless you with the whole great goodness here on this the on blast podcast and as i always say i used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this this is the on blast podcast nfl picks edition part of the on blast podcast network as always unpolished and unapologetic until next time see ya